Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. I'm Bill Nightingale, Josh Prophet. Josh, who's that sitting beside you there? And got a guest with me this morning. Stranger. Yeah. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got Nick Bowman uh, is here with us this morning as well. So, all right, uh, well, hey. Good morning. Saturday morning in Dodge City, baby. Oh. <laughs> Sitting in my hotel room. How about that? How's Dodge City? Well, the weather's tree. pretty good. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a exciting night last night with Team Three J. Uh, first lap of the heat race uh, gets collected up with a guy in front of him and. I'm telling you, we raced with the nose underneath the car and how we put that thing back together. I got no idea. I should have took a picture of that hood before we put it back, started working on it. First lap, huh? First corner. Oh. Not even the first lap, first corner. Getting straight up into it then. First yeah. corner or the first lap. I think someone forgot what the go pedal means instead of the brake pedal. So, but anyway, it is what it is. Car went around and then we had to run a B feature and won that and then uh just started 13th and just couldn't go nowhere there's too much stuff going on in the back back there and if you know nick how that is when you start back there you just got to try to get through it couldn't get through it man it's just tough getting behind that eight ball in the heat race you know if you can't if you you know get can't get through that heat race and then you got to run a b i mean it just sets yourself up for a long night and, but uh to be able to put that thing back together and and just get out there and finish the a and get some points and you know even if it was 11 11th place finish i mean it's uh you know, better than twelfth. Better than twelfth. <laughs> just uh, just chalk that up and uh, try again tonight. So, yep, exactly. So, hey, it's a call-in show. Three one six four six two three six seven three. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be. Love to hear from you. And uh, Josh, I know you got some exciting stuff to give away on, for each and every caller. It's a great price package, about over one hundred thirty bucks. As always, what's in that package? So we'll mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. We use Motorcraft oil and filter products at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're performing that, we're going to complete a multi-point inspection on your vehicle, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components. You'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner, so you can get yourself something to eat and drink uh, while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires, so you get all the benefits that uh, nitrogen has to offer. And then... Uh, BG products package, uh, CF5 for your fuel system and MOA for your oil. Again, just getting that car geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. So, all right. Up for each and every caller. All right. Let's get the phones ringing. 316 462 3673. That brings you right up to the front desk. The girls tell you we're going to get patched in the podcast and uh, we'll go from there. So, Josh, as we were getting ready to go on the show, I noticed you had some interesting pictures. And uh, when you took me back there to show me those pictures, it was uh, pretty crazy. But I guess this is what we call our lovely supply chain shortage or what we got going on, right? You know, it's uh, so kind of to expand on this a, a little more for sure is I'm always preaching to the advisors um, from the side of quality. Quality is huge. You know, if you're going to buy something, you can you can spend a, a million dollars on a car. There's going to be a service department for it, right? Mm -hmm. That car is going to break. Yeah. You know, same thing with a with a uh, any good or service that you, you can go buy a TV. You can buy an expensive TV. A TV has the ability to break, and so it's really after the fact. You after you've purchased it, what's the warranty behind it? What's the you know what is the manufacturer going to stand behind the product that they produced? Uh, and you know, you could, you could purchase a product and go 
its entire, you know, the entire life of it and never have an issue with it again. But if you do, who's going to take care of it? And so that's, uh, I'm always talking with these guys about typically normally OEM parts versus aftermarket parts and the difference, uh, between them. Uh, but then not only just the difference between the part is the warranty behind it and who's going to stand behind that thing. And so, uh, I can go through and show, show some of these pictures here. Got, got quite a, quite a few things going on today. Uh, we'll see how far we, how far we get here, but I'll get this. Whoop. That's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Anyway. So Josh, you took me back there and uh, showed me as you starting with the tire that we're going to start with first. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start with this tire. Brand new tire. And, uh, when you first showed me the tire, I thought that the tire had, been cut when we mounted the tire was the mm-hmm. first popped into my head thinking that's what had happened but in turn after investigating what'd you find josh so essentially what the what the deal is and this was a set of tires so we put four tires on uh had one of them the sidewall uh gave out on this tire after it was mounted and on the vehicle uh so then we went back to our uh <clears throat> supplier and warrantied out that one uh, again, kind of assuming that maybe it was something that we did with the, the mounting process or whatever. Um, so put, replace that one, uh, put, uh, this one on and lo and behold, about an hour later, the sidewall of this one blew out as well. Um, and so basically in the manufacturing process, there's a steel ring that goes around the tire before it's insulated in rubber right where the tire mounts to the bead uh mounts to the bead of the wheel and this ring the rubber was not holding around that metal ring so the the ring is actually coming out so the air pressure pushed the rubber out around the metal ring because um something in the chemical compound or the makeup of the rubber uh didn't didn't cure or wasn't hard enough uh to hold that steel ring in there yeah, it's definitely uh definitely a defect in that uh in that bead ring manufacturing process there for sure. Well, my my biggest thing is I'm glad it happened quickly and not happened uh down the road a little ways or something cuz that could have been a wild ride for somebody. So that is the the other thing is uh the one was pretty well instantaneous. Uh happened, you know, just off the machine um but the second one we added it mounted on the vehicle. Um, you know, it had been on there for a uh, couple of different, a uh, couple of hours, uh, cause the technician had additional work to do to the vehicle, um, after the fact. And it ended up blowing, blowing up after, uh, and there you can see it on the, on the vehicle and the, you know, it busted up the hubcap as well when it, when it deflated. Uh, but if that would have happened going down the road, I mean, that could have been a pretty serious deal or the other side of that, if that could have, if that would have happened with a technician standing right there by it or fingers in it, I mean, the, the remainder of this center cap ended up probably six or seven stalls away from where, uh, where it happened where the, where the car was at. Yeah. Yeah. Or lucky mean, that it didn't hit somebody. This or is hit metal, another car. Yeah. This is a metal ring right here of, of the center cap. Um, but you can see, I mean, it split that completely in half and then busted up all this plastic and, and stuff here as well. 
and so it, the amount of force when that happens is it's a lot of force all at one time for sure. Well, you figure out 35 pounds or probably that's about what he had pressure in there to blow out of that, out of that area. Woo. We're, we're lucky, very lucky. No one got hurt. We're very lucky. It happened not driving down the road. And, uh, now I'm going to be curious what uh, general has to say about the issues. What I'd really like to know. Yeah. So we, we notified general, um, <clears throat> of the issue for sure. And then obviously they for sure, uh, recalled the tires back. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see. And that's why, so all uh, we can even take that one step further is that, uh, let's say, let's say that they have a defect in their manufacturing process at the, at this particular time. Okay. And so all the tires that they've pumped out the air, uh, that were part of this chemical makeup or this chemical batch, uh, they're able to notate that. So every tire has a specific uh, DOT number. So it's basically like a VIN number, uh, for those individual tires in cases exactly like this, that they're able to go back and identify where those tires went and where they were, uh, you know, where they were sold, uh, as well. But it's supposed to be the job of the retail establishment to register those DOT numbers. So did your tires get registered? You know, as a consumer, we go through and we register every DOT number on every tire that we sell for this purpose. But I can't ensure that all consumers do that. You know, if if somebody doesn't take the time to, uh, to make sure that they've done that, because you know, in the day-to-day, everybody's thinking, well, why do I need to do that? That just seems like another step. Well, this is exactly why you need to do yep. that. Uh, you know, and it's, again, for consumer protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very lucky very situation. situation. So, uh, yeah, very, uh, very interesting. And then, you know, I mean, the other side, how many tires we've went through and never had any trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's unlikely for this to happen, but it is it is something that can happen clearly. I did. Uh, so, yep. Yeah. So it's, uh, like I said, I, I'm just glad that general stepping up doing what they need to do. I'm glad they sure. are. I mean, I'm sure they would the manufacturers. And again, this isn't just general could have this issue. It's any manufacturer of a tire can miss a process or whatever from that part. And, uh, you know, that I always say it's how you handle a situation and what you do with you try to sweep it under the rug and make it go away it's never going to go away so if you step up real quick and take care of the problem and address it i mean we're all human we're all going to make mistakes we're going to things are going to happen so uh because i mean you know i'm a big michelin fan i think they make a good quality tire and stuff you know what this could happen to michelin too it doesn't matter yeah yeah very very much so and you know at the end of the day i i do believe that uh just doing business with a quality business is important uh, from that side of it. And so, uh, you, yes, you can find a, a service cheaper or yes, you can find a, a service that, uh, may be able to get you taken care of, uh, especially in this day and age, I would say that, uh, and I don't know, Phil, you can maybe kind of attest to that as well. Um, that years ago, I believe on the technical side of things or the automotive side of things, um, I don't know if maybe there was a lot, maybe more uh, repair facilities out there or if the repair facilities were just able to do more on the vehicle. But it seems to me that uh, it is becoming more of a specific trait. Uh, And 
you know, in, in lieu of our, our service department or in many service departments across the country, the length of time that it takes to get to somebody's vehicle, as opposed to years ago, you know, one or two days was if, if a vehicle was in the shop a week, a year ago, uh, or, you know, 10 years ago, um, that was kind of unheard of. And now you can get to in situations with programming and everything else that, uh, the, the, the complexity level of these vehicles, it just takes more time. Well, I think the other thing is, is, you know, we go way back when, and I still remember my dad carrying a, you know, stuff in his truck. So if it broke down the side of the road, we could fix it on the side of the road and we keep going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would agree uh, that. Yeah. You know, that evolved into different things and, and stuff like that too. But then I, I think us as consumers have demanded a better quality, not just in vehicles, but everything. And so every manufacturer's had to step up and do, do what they got to do to make these cars run longer. And, you know, like I said before, 80,000 miles on cars, we were overhauling motors. Sometimes we throw them in a junkyard. Not today. Uh, today, these things are just getting broken at 80, 90,000 miles, 100,000 miles from that part. But uh, I do think it's a lot of the technical stuff that's still out there and the things that, uh, you know, the O'Shea tree mechanic, it's tough for him to work on these cars. Yeah. It just is. Probably. And then I still remember when I was just being a tech and I, just started out and I knew what I wanted to do and stuff. And when I went to the aftermarket world, there was no training. I knew was, I knew I need to get right back out of there and get back into a dealership quickly because I needed that training to stay on top of my game and stay on top of the new stuff coming and everything else too. So another big, huge thing there with the independent world. I, I, I feel sorry for those guys trying to fight some of the things they probably are fighting. Yeah. I could not imagine having to work on a modern day vehicle without all the uh, manufacturer support or the tools and equipment that, the, that a dealership is able to provide, um, you know, these technicians. And then, uh, it just, I cringe every time I hear it, but you know, Hey, my check engine light came on and I went to O'Reilly's and had, had it scanned and it's an O2 sensor. Well, and you know, O2 sensors seems to be the common thing that right. you say when, right. when you right. went to O'Reilly's. Maybe but, if you're lucky, yeah, you know, and, and yeah, there could be a, probable probability of that o2 sensor being what's what's wrong with it but also not anymore the day-to-day that i see i mean it's it's a more of probably a higher probability that the scanner that they use isn't even giving you the right code or you're not even identifying you know uh because i'm sure it's not up to date with the technology well yeah and it's just giving you uh generic Mm. manufacturer code so well back in my day when a check engine lights first come on code 13 you knew was an auction sensor (laughs) a two-digit code not a 14-digit code now yeah we could even go and talk about that a little too but uh you know back then is it wouldn't throw a check engine light unless it was failed a, a failed component and now uh these computers will detect degradation of a component. And so it doesn't even necessarily have to be failed in order for, uh, in order for it to, to happen at that time. So, Hey, uh, we got a caller on the line. Uh, so let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Nick Roberts, Nick, Nick, good morning. How's it going? Oh, it's going this morning. Finally, <laughs> finally, the rain yeah. finally stopped out there. It is stopped for today. It looks like we're going to have a pretty good break uh, for most of the day. There's a, there's a chance this afternoon, but uh, yesterday was pretty much a complete rain out. So they started extremely early here, and they're trying to run them through as fast as they can to get caught back up. Yeah. Well, hey, let's, let's, let's update the listeners on where Nick is at and what's going on. Yep, so I'm in Denver, Colorado at uh, Bandemir Speedway 
for their divisional double header. So this is a double points race this weekend. Um, and this will be the last one, unfortunately, for this track period. So Vandermeer is uh, closing up. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, the end of this year will be the last year of 65 years. So what's the story behind that? What's going on? So everybody kind of knows, I mean, that's a pretty well-known track out there mile and let's call it mile high something or something like that. Yep. Yep. Mile high nationals is the next big event. We'll be back for in a couple weeks. Um, yeah. So I mean, obviously Denver has grown, uh, a ton in the last, you know, many years, but it's grown so much now that even from when I was a kid coming out here, that there was barely anything out here, hardly any houses. And now, up to next to the track they've built you know really nice housing complexes and stuff and i think you know between the issues with homes you know moving closer to the tracks and and getting having problems with the sound and noise and so on and and then you get the property values start to go up i think it just kind of got a lot of a lot of both problems there going on but yeah unfortunately this will be the last year for them until they can find a new area to build on so is that their plan to try to build another track or what's their are they, what are they talking about? Yep. To- yeah, they said they've been looking for at least two years now because they knew the day was coming, and they're they're looking to find something, but they just haven't haven't pulled the trigger yet. So hopefully they can find something soon and get to building quick <laughs> and be able to have a, another NHRA Division Five track. Well, that's too bad for racing out there and everything else too. And I, you know, this is what. We get on Betty's bad side or whatever, but you know when you build a house next to a drag strip, what do you expect? It? I mean, come on, let's 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 think about all the uh, incomes and and families and everything else that racetrack has fed over the years and everything else too for employees and and just parts and everything else from that standpoint. But uh, well, you know, that's kind of dollars too. You know, yeah. bringing in bringing in uh, people from all over the oh, yeah. the world or country to to race there. You know, yeah. I mean, if I built a house by side a racetrack, I think I'd know what I was up against. I wouldn't build it if I was that was going to bug me or whatever. I wouldn't be building a house there. I, I mean, it's, that's that's the part of this side of the coin that drives me crazy. Is hey, wait a minute, you you picked to build there. You picked. You knew what was there before you built. This track's been there sixty five years. Uh, that drives me nuts. Yep. Crucify me if you want to out there, but that's that's my deal. You you know what you built. You know what you're building against, and you're going to make the racetrack tear their stuff down. I don't know. Drives me nuts. I think it's totally yeah. wrong. And it's an it's an awesome location too. I mean, it's literally on the side of the mountain. You've got awesome views. You know, it's it's a it's a really cool place. So it, it'll be sad because you'll never be able to find even Colorado another place like this. And and Colorado only has three drag strips. So at the end of this year, there will only be two left. And that's a that's a rough one. I mean, Kansas is going through the same thing, especially with the. The rumors of Tubica going, getting ready to go down. Luckily, we have uh, Flying H building a new one in the, you know, Kansas City, Missouri area, but at least somewhat close. Yeah, yep, I get it. So, uh, so anyway, what's any any new exciting stuff out? I mean, not new, but any exciting upsets or anything out there at the big? Because this is who's all racing. Is this the top NHRA classes that are racing? This is mostly your. Uh, normal you know everyday bracket racer they do have some uh fuel cars here top dragsters running they have a huge field for top dragster uh they got some pro mods they got some guys testing and alcohol funny cars and stuff for the mile high nationals but there i'd heard there's over 600 cars here for this this is, this is the largest race of racers they've ever had 
Yes, a lot of people want so to I've, get in I've, on that deal for being the last yeah, one. We, we've changed a lot of tires for guys that were like, oh, yeah, I bought this car. I started building this car five or six years ago, and I've just let it set. And now that I want to get it done so I can at least go down the track here a couple times this year before it closes. We've seen a lot of that. A lot of guys that have from Canada we've talked to that, you know, oh, yeah, we usually only try to come down maybe once every couple of years to this track, and now we're going to try to make it more. And so so they're they're definitely getting a, a huge number of attendance just because, you know, this this is your last chance to get a, a chance at this track, you know, and to be part of the part of the history. Yeah. Yep, I get it. So, uh, so we're back in a couple of weeks, though, too, right? Is that what you said? Yep. So well, technically, we'll be actually be back. Uh, well, mid next week for uh, race week, we'll have to, uh, this is one of our stops for race Rocky Mountain Race Week, and then uh, we'll be back uh, July 14th through the 16th, I believe, yeah, for Mile High Nationals, and that will be the the big boys, the the okay. big NHRA series. So, okay, now to switch gears just a little bit, Nick, you pulled out there with the new 23 F450 with the high output diesel. And, uh, of course I'm pulling one, my race trailer with one, two, but I can't really compare my examples because my trailer this year is bigger, heavier, everything else from that part. I really can't tell that much difference just because of the extra weight I'm pulling, but you can, you can, you've done that trip to Colorado at the Denver with the 22 or 21 and everything else. But, uh, just for people out there wanting to know how that high output diesel com- performed compared to a normal diesel pulling the same load, pulling all and the same trip to everybody. Kind of give us an update on that new truck. So it did, it did a ton better. Um, I mean, obviously it's a very tall trailer. We, you know, have lots of tires in it. It's, it's a big trailer. Uh, it pulled it amazing. Uh, from the last truck that we pulled out here, it wasn't an HO. Uh, there's about a mile to a mile and a half gallon per gallon uh, fuel rating better. So it's it's happier pulling it. There's a big incline you have to kind of pull and turn around into to come into the track and that's where i've noticed it several times where when it's loaded you know it's never <laughs> they're usually no trucks are happy to get up that hill and this one just kind of went right up it like it was nothing so it's it's definitely very impressive uh the fuel economy was better it, everything with it just seemed happier um it, it's it's a nice 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 truck yeah i tell you these are lariats and we're usually running limiteds and uh because we can't get those higher end trucks but uh I don't know. This this twenty three Lariat blows away that twenty two limited, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, so much like, almost like how much better can you get? You know, what else more do you need? But wait, <laughs> there's more. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good, Nick. So uh, keep out there selling a bunch of tires for us out there and everything else from that part. Glad the Super Duty did well. I was curious how that was going to work out and stuff too. And when I come out here to Dodge yesterday, I was driving along and I told Jake, I said, dang it, this is about the nicest it's been. And I realized there was no wind. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't so yeah. bad driving that truck out here yesterday. But uh, So aside least, from this morning, have you run into any other weather or delays? So yesterday, yeah, it was pretty much all yesterday was a complete rain. And I think they got through like one round. Uh, they're, they're, they're extremely far behind. We should be into probably round three or four of the second race. And we're really into round three or four of the first race. Um, so they've got a lot of making up to do. So every, every day you're here, no matter what, what race it is, there's always going to be a chance of rain, Like, yeah. but it's usually very quick and they have the track dried off in you know, 15 minutes and they're back to racing. Well, the first couple of days we, 
did that multiple times and that slowed them down, but they were able to push through it. And then unfortunately yesterday, it just would not let up. It was just a constant battle of rain nonstop. So they ended up about uh, four o'clock. They went ahead and said, yeah, guys, sorry, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to make today happen. We're going to start bright and early Saturday morning and get things going as fast as we can. So hopefully they can get it all finished up tonight. Uh, if not, I heard rumors that they're going to have to finish the point series in like Iowa at the next national or the next divisional. So, well, good. Let's hope they get things rocking and rolling and have some fun out there at Denver, for sure. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks for the update. We'll let you get back at it and get mounting some tires and everything else for us and everything else too. So, thanks again for the update and uh, hope you get it all in. Oh yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nick. Have a good day. So we'll right. go through and uh, kind of yep. read. Uh, got a couple of different things going through here on the chat. But good morning, Delbert. Uh, Amanda, good morning. Uh, Jason, good morning. Uh, Gus says you get what you pay for. Well, that's when we were talking about, uh, I think, about the, the tires. tires and quality of the parts. And then uh, and Delbert put on there, Melhelm Ford is a quality business. Thank you for that, Delbert. And then uh, Rex put on there, uh, Bandamere is the coolest racetrack in the country. Phil, have you ever been out there? I've never been there. I've never been there either. So I've heard that, uh, you know, just the, the environment or the atmosphere, the yeah. sound kind of as it echoes off the mountains <clears> is really what makes it, it cool. really is. So, uh, it really is neat because, you know, it really literally is built into the side of a mountain. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you kind of think about it, you know, it's kind of built in three different layers, right? So like the bottom layer is like, you know, all the spectator parking and, and everything that goes along that. And then like the second level up is, is the racing surface. And then the third level up is the pits. So yeah. all, you know, the pits are real long and narrow and then behind the pits is the mountainside. So, you know, there's a fence that goes all along the pits, you know, at the racetrack side. So you can pretty much, you know, just walk up to that fence and and look in at the racetrack from above and watch all of the racing and you really don't have to walk that far you know from your trailer and it really is i mean for a drag strip facility i mean you you really couldn't ask for anything any better as far as from a spectating and racing perspective you know as a racer i would think that you would shy away from the track just because of the performance difference because of the altitude you know what i'm saying yeah I don't know and there's much- a there's um there's actually uh you know some engine builders that are based out there in Denver and there's actually some divisions of classes that have really been kind of built around that um, that track that track um uh but the you know those engine builders that have moved out there you know moved out there to develop their engines be you know environment in that environment because if they can get their stuff to perform well and go down the racetrack in that environment they're going to be able to perform well anywhere and uh you know they call you know they have like the nhra pro stock division well there's another kind of division of kind of outlaw pro stocks that they call the mountain motor pro stocks and that kind of all originated from bandamere because it's basically a pro stock but you could cheat it up so that you could actually get it down the racetrack you know and Cheat it up. What are you talking yeah, about? There? Yeah, I don't know up. what that means. <laughs> but, uh, <How> <laughs> oh, I got kind of quiet there, Josh. You noticed yeah. that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about cheating, but, uh, 
But it's no a busy, it's a busy, busy weekend for Mel Hamilton. Yes, it is uh, racing. And uh, who's your tire? Great Plains this weekend. You know, obviously Nick's out there in Denver. He's been out there since Tuesday. Um, last night we uh, we serviced two weekly tracks. We were at uh, Salina, Kansas, and uh, Enid, Oklahoma, last night. So had two two crews out there doing that, and then. Uh, Tonight, uh, fingers crossed, the rain stays away. Um, we'll be headed out to 81 Speedway for the ASCS National Sprint Car Series. We're going to go out there and uh, support those guys with uh, some Hoosier tires. So uh, it's been a busy weekend, and uh, with race week and everything else coming up, it's just uh, going to continue to stay busy. So we're definitely in the thick of it. Kind of one thing after the other. Yep. Hey, let's go, uh, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Greg. Greg, you're on live with Under the Hood. Good morning. Good morning, guys. You ha- you have a comment about Vandermeer, maybe? <laughs> no, actually, I just I just got back from vacation. Um, I dragged my trailer all the way up to Glacier National Park, and you know a couple things. First off, I wanted to comment on I have a hybrid, but it has the small uh, generator, just the two point four kilowatt. But I want to talk about that a little bit because. I had never really used it um, for extended use, but it, it's really cool. I ended up staying in the campground that, you know, you're not supposed to use a generator, but I used my truck and it just turns on for about a minute, minute and a half, twice an hour and used hardly any gas, which I, I was stunned about. Yeah. So that, that's um, all really that was running it. the truck was about a, uh, for about a couple of minutes every couple of hours. Yep. couple of, Yep. And so it was, it was really interesting whether, and we, I don't know, I'll be honest. I like to be able to camp besides just using the open fire. I want to be able to use a microwave. I've got two little kids and to be able to microwave popcorn. My six-year-old's pretty happy. Um, <laughs> or we use a, we use an electric skillet too when we go camping and it, it's kind of nice to be able to cook with more than just the open fire. Um, and so I was really impressed. I, I know nobody else has that type of capability out there um, to have the generator. And, and if we're really honest, I get why campgrounds say no generators because they are very, very loud. But all the all my F-150 does is idle for about a, a minute at low idle, and it kicks up to about 1,500 RPM for about 30 seconds, and it shuts off. Yeah, I tell you, when we first had the uh, Ford presented these trucks to us, we were down in uh, Dallas for the presentation, and they had these big, huge tents set up with demonstrations going on with TVs and all that kind of stuff. They ran the whole facility on F-150s. No power out there in the parking lot and everything else like that. So you're right. They run just for a couple minutes and shut off, and away they go again. And I don't remember the exact time or whatever, but I think it's on a full tank of gas that it can run for over 72 hours. Yeah, it was, uh, I want to say, three days. Yeah could run without having to run out of gas or whatever too and keep you running so very cool i mean it is a great feature that's what i would i had to look it up because i after the first time we used it for an extensive period of time it hardly changed the uh distance to empty at all and i was like man i looked it up and yeah i think the the bigger one runs for 70 some hours the smaller the 2.4 kilowatt that i have can run like 85 hours at full capacity and i'm like well, of course, I, we weren't pulling full capacity. You know, you sure. use the microwave, and then we had phone chargers going and just different things, but whatever. It, I was really impressed. We've used it for, um, oh, like clearing out a fence row, 
being able to have hedge clippers or um, electric chainsaw, just clearing a few things out, you know, not, not anything to get a big chainsaw out, just clearing a fence, but that's pretty handy. But we used it camping. I don't know. It was, it was really, really cool. I'm really, yeah, put, we've, we've had the truck for two years. Puts a whole new meaning to roughing it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit the, the little kids really liked being able to have popcorn and, you know, microwave uh, oatmeal in the morning. It's it's easier to start your day if you can just microwave something instead of start a fire. And- well, I'm uh, I'm with you 100. percent I will be at, I'll be at a lake all day long, but uh, when it's time to go to bed, I'm going home in the AC. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. it's a it's a pretty cool deal. But then then the next question that it was common and a question because I'm obviously super impressed with the hybrid. We got great gas mileage. I'm really, I mean, if you're, if you'll drive, cause we drove around Yellowstone and Grand Teton and you stay under 50 miles an hour and it goes to electric half the time or more. Um, which then of course, then the DTE on the dash says, you know, 999 miles empty. I'm like, well, yeah, cause it's electric all, half the time, but uh, I don't know. I can't yeah. drive a thousand miles in, the, in, in those national parks, but yeah. Um, whatever. But yeah, no, I know. I, I tell you, this this is where I wish the manufacturers would be pushing so much harder on hybrids and groom us into the full electric cars instead of just shoving the electric cars into us from that part. I'm a big hybrid fan too. Uh, when I drive a hybrid truck in town, anyway, I pick up five to six miles per gallon just just with the hybrid side of that coin. And I wish we'd have been putting a lot more emphasis on these hybrids than we'd be putting on 100% electric. Well, that's, you know, I know there's a difference between it being a, an auto cycle or an Atkinson cycle, like um, the Escape is. And some, well, the Fusion was an Atkinson cycle versus my truck is the auto cycle. But um, I, I understand we want a truck that can pull, you know, stumps out of the ground. So, sure. You know, that was the, well, that's the other thing. That when you put that truck in sport mode, look out <laughs> with that hybrid. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, my, <laughs> my dad was really stunned that it was, had that much power. I'm like, dad, we're not even going to put it in sport mode. He, he's came up from Florida and driven it, driven in it. And he's like, and this thing really moves. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But sorry, let me get back to my, I have a question. Cause you know, I'm about 35,000 miles and I talked to um, my service advisor out there in the quick lane and he'd suggested doing a transmission service at 30,000. Course we were out on vacation so we missed that number but whatever can you talk about the transmission service and on the 10 speed is that a I don't know. Yeah, that is what, what impacts that. That is something that uh, I would definitely recommend, especially if you're towing. Uh, we typically see around thirty thousand miles. The transmission fluid will start to to change colors, um, and then the lubricating factors. You know, every time uh, every time that uh, transmission shifts, it's generating heat into the fluid, and then if you're pulling or have a load um it's it's just generating more heat uh and so you're breaking down the fluid and so it's able to instead of uh, that fluid being able to operate at a higher temperature the the temperature in which it's able to lubricate gets less and less and so uh 
it really depends on the purpose of the vehicle and what you're using it for. And that's why we do the multi-point inspection. But what we see is around 30,000 miles is when that fluid will start to break down. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's just like changing your oil. You want good quality, clean fluid in there, uh, especially again, in your situation with towing and, and things like that, uh, or pulling tree stumps or, you know, uh, that, that you're just generating heat inside the transmission every time you're doing it. And that's that, that's that fluids, uh, really number one job. Everybody thinks uh, fluid is there to lubricate. Well, it is, but it's, it's main job is to extract the heat from the components that are doing the work. So it's to get, get the heat out. Um, and then secondly, it's to lubricate. And so if that fluid breaks down and it's not able to keep those components as cool, um, then, you know, then they just get hotter, uh, every, every time they get used. And so, um, yeah, there's, I promise you cheap insurance, good, clean fluid service in it on a regular basis. Uh, and you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, it'll perform like it's like it should when it's new uh, that way. And then, you know, the other side on the transmission fluid specifically is don't wait till you have a problem to service your transmission fluid. By then it's too late. Right. So on that line, do I need, is that something I can do when I get the oil change or do I need to really have an appointment? Nope. That is. Um, uh, and is there anything else? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, is there anything else I'm missing besides transmission service? Well, yeah. So, uh, uh, on that, on, on doing that service, it can be either, or we can do it as part of, uh, just your routine interval or routine service. Um, and then, you know, let's, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that specific, your specific trans or uh, vehicle with that hybrid component. So in, in your particular situation, there's a added, um, uh, coupler, in that like an electric motor uh, essentially where the torque converter is on the transmission so there's an additional component but really the transmission fluid and the uh, electrical drive or the electrical uh, motor and then generator uh, is not really associated with that transmission fluid like it's they're kind of separate systems and so um, it it would be the same service interval as a regular F-150, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Uh, and then again, around 30,000 miles with that truck or 35,000, I think is maybe what you said. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the multi-point inspection and, and checking it over, um, checking the whole vehicle over and seeing what your needs are. Uh, transmission fluids, definitely one of them. Uh, induction service is the other one. <clears throat> a GDI service, uh, is, is another one, um, that will, I would, uh, say around that 30,000 mile mark, uh, would be good things to look at. Um, and then again, uh, just a good multi-point inspection. I don't know if yours is a four wheel drive or not, but then around, uh, the 45,000 mile mark, uh, we start looking at things like the transfer case, the front differential, the rear differential, uh, stuff like that. Right, mine's two wheel drive. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just a little, little more basic, but you know, it's a King ranch. So it's super nice. Just two wheel drive. And nope. No pulling boats out of the water, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So, but, uh, it pulled, pulled good. You were happy with the performance and stuff like that around the mountains. I'll be honest. It's it's like it's not even there. We we actually went to uh, Yellowstone 
Grand Teton, then on up to Glacier. And, I, you know, there's lots of roads up there that, you know, the speed limit's 75, 80 miles an hour. And with the camper behind you, you'd think you'd slow down. Nope. it just go right up the mountain, eighth gear, whatever. It might, you know, come down from 10th down to 8th, but then still run an 80 up the mountain. And I don't know, like it what really like the trailer wasn't even there. Yeah. How big of a trailer is it? Um, you know, it's just a pop-up. Oh, so okay. I know yeah. it's not, I know it's, I know it's not heavy and it doesn't block a lot of wind. Yeah. Um, but we're probably, I don't know, 2,500, 3,000 in the truck and the truck bed's loaded too. So yeah. And I know we're near, I think the truck is rated for like 11,000. So we're, we're nowhere near, near what it could do, but yeah, at the, the same time. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying the thing for me with the F-150s is really not so much uh, the the weight because they will they will pull, you know, especially you get yeah, the, the EcoBoost engines with the three fives and, and stuff like that. And they'll, they'll pull their guts out. The thing for me with the F-150 is when you get into a, something, a, you know, a tall trailer with a lot of wind resistance and then uh, trailer sway uh, just from it being a lighter truck. And then the the other thing for me is stopping. I'm more worried about stopping than I am going because there really there's not an F one fifty out there that wouldn't pull whatever it you know whatever you could put behind it. But to be able to make that thing stop, stop and stop it, yeah. safely, that's uh, you know that that's what I look for when I'm pulling something. Right. Well, and, and mine came with the um, with the trailer brake already integrated. It's got the probe. I don't know. I've never used the backup assist or how you back it up with the trailer. I just, I don't know. I know how to back it up, but the, um, I, I know it's got it. It's, I mean, yeah. I just never messed with, with how to, how to back it up with just the dial on the dash, but it does have that. So the, the backup sure or the, the pro, uh, pro trailering, uh, it does give you the, the backup assist, but then also just the trailer sway. So if the trailer does start, getting out of hand and and moving the the rear of the truck around that truck will actually kind of activate the traction control to straighten it back out uh without you even having to do anything which is uh really? you know in that little little pop-up camper that you have it's probably something that you would wouldn't experience but if you had a little bit bigger of trailer behind there that trailer sway is no joke uh it, you get a right. you get a trailer that starts whipping around on you and you do the wrong thing and you can end up in a bad situation really quick um i've i was following a guy down uh i-70 and seen seen it all take place he come it was a windy day and he'd come around a semi and when he did that it started whipping that trailer back and forth and he couldn't get it back under control and the whole thing rolled down the rolled down in between the median and it was uh like i said it happened so fast too you know and i know it i know it got his attention pretty quick so yep but i can tell you we love our truck it's it really does everything we want it to do and and i know you got little kids too we have a six and a three-year-old and that wi-fi in the truck (laughs) oh man no it used to be the jam to have a tv we used to have a lincoln navigator that had a couple of tvs in it and that was nice, but man, when everybody has their own Wi-Fi connection, I mean, everybody can control their own tablets and I, 10 Wi-Fi devices. That is crazy. But my wife can have her phone and a computer and then the kids can have their stuff. And 
nobody's fighting about getting connected. Road trips are definitely not like they used to be, are they? Are you kidding me? I'm the one. I'm the one in the car going. I'm hungry. Are we there yet? I got to pee. <laughs> yeah, the kids are pretty. Kids are pretty chill as long as we don't hit any dead spots with the. With the <laughs> well, very good, very good. Well, hey, thanks for. Uh, calling in and uh, talking to us about your trip and uh, giving us an update on that pickup. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, come see us uh, when you're ready for that next service. And we'll do that multi-point inspection on that truck and just uh, look everything over and uh, get you all up to date and, and ready to go for the next one. So. All right. Thanks for calling, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Rick. Bye. Okay. okay. Hey, hey Elbert's got a question. What's a GDI service? I think that's a pretty cool question to ask too. Sometimes yep. we get rolling on with our our uh, acronyms in this industry. It is uh, absolutely crazy. Uh, what what blows me away about the acronyms is from Ford Motor Company. They'll have a acronym in the workshop manual, uh, and then you talk to uh, about parts and say, hey, I need this acronym, and parts has a different acronym in their parts <laughs> manual. <laughs> and then you talk no. to, uh, you see a technical service bulletin about the same thing, and it's a different acronym, <laughs> and yet they're all the same thing. And so, yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it blows me away, the amount of acronyms that are, that are in this industry, for sure. So anyways. Tyler kind of summed it up. Yeah, there. I was going to say, so Tyler's got a, <laughs> a reply there. So GDI services uh, uses three different VG chemicals, uh, a can of 44K that cleans everything the fuel touches, uh, the can of EPR that breaks down all the sludge, uh, oxidation, and all the nasty stuff that builds up in the engine and drains out with the oil. And last, a can of MOA, which helps uh, the engine to help prevent engine uh, it, the lubric- lubricity of the engine to keep the engine uh, oil uh, lubricating for that full five thousand miles as well. So and we don't realize today the going five thousand miles how much longer doing that interval, which, you know, again, I was always hard to get off that 3000 miles, but going that 5,000 miles and how hot these engines run today and the injection stuff, how that carbon still builds in these motors. And that's where BG came up with this great service of keeping these motors clean. And I'm going to tell you, um, if I had to, you know, again, get in a demo to drive and everything else like that, I would be doing a GDI service, every service, if it was my car, for sure. No doubt, just to keep that thing clean and everything else too. Remember, Josh, we got customers calling us back after they leave the shop, how they're getting more power, more fuel economy, and everything else because they've waited too long to to have that service done. Let let those rings seal up underneath there and everything else. Yeah, with the uh, low tension ring designs that that you know the manufacturers have come out to again use thinner weight oil uh, to meet uh, cafe ratings, uh, you know things like that. Uh, I would say. Two that that I've kind of been involved with this, and I don't feel I think you could probably uh, speak to this as well. But years ago, uh, you know, that was something that you did at every service interval was, or every uh, few fill up was check your oil, mm-hmm. or you know, you would check your oil in a three thousand mile interval uh, in between oil changes. You'd check it all the time because the oil would consume oil. And then we went through a kind of a phase where engines really didn't burn a whole lot of oil. Well, now we're starting to get back to with the thinner oils, uh, the lower tension rings that we're seeing engines that will consume 
oil in between oil changes, you know, a quart, quart and a half of oil. Uh, you know, a lot of manufacturers say that, you know, a quart within a thousand miles is considered to be normal, normal, normal operating. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's a lot of consumers out there that understand that or even know that or even check their oil in between intervals. You know, it's just uh-huh. to put it in and go. Yep. I'll bet 90% of the people don't know how to check their oil well, because yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not something we do anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, every 200 miles fill a tank up, we were doing all kinds of things uh, to these cars to keep them going another 200 miles. Now we're going 5,000. I don't even blink at an eye. It's just not common practice anymore. We're looking up and going, how in the world did I get 3000 miles over my oil change? interval? <laughs> That doesn't happen, Josh. Everybody's right on time. It, it, it no. does <laughs> on the daily. I promise you. I know. I know. And it's just it. It's how much better these cars are today and everything else like that, too. But you go that 3,000 mile over, it's time for a, definitely the next two services to have a GDI yeah. service done to get that thing back under control and get that get the carbon built out of there and everything else, too, from that part and uh, uh, to keep these engines performing the way they do. So anyway, Josh, you got anything else on your agenda today? It's nine fifty. You only got a couple minutes left on the yeah, show. Yeah, got a got a couple minutes left here. Um, so I've got a, a couple other things to get into, but I think maybe we will save those for uh, save those for the next show. Uh, but recap wise on racing, we've got uh, where where are we headed again this week? Uh, well, so this week we're obviously in Denver. Like we talked to Nick um, last night, we were at Salina Speedway and Enid Speedway. Tonight, uh, if we get lucky and the rain stays away, we'll go to uh, 81 Speedway for ASCS National Sprint Car Series. Um, race week fires up here in about a week, so we'll be on the uh, should, on the tour with yeah, Rocky Mountain Race Week. Should have asked Nick um, about the the drag car and the where we're at with the tune and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I think we're I think we're pretty well squared away with the tune. Um, we've had the car in Kansas City at KC Max Performance um, on the dyno there, getting tuned up, and uh, so Nick's been working on that pretty heavy and. Uh, uh, It'll be exciting to see that car make that tour. Yep, uh, yep. for sure. Yep. And then give a got, give everybody a quick rundown what we're what we're doing yeah. with the two Mustangs and all that real quick. So uh, they're going to leave here. I think it's Wednesday. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they go to uh, track up in Nebraska. So what's it's, it called again? It's called. Uh, that's uh, Rocky Mountain Race Week. Rocky Mountain Race Week. So <laughs> yeah, I so think, I think they start. I think they meet in Great Bend, and I think it starts in Great Bend. So they, yeah, they took they, Great Bend out of it because Great Bend is no uh, longer yeah. and then, uh, uh, no longer there. And so they're headed to <clears throat> Nebraska, and the tra- name of the track uh, escapes me right yeah, now. I can't but um, so they meet in Nebraska, uh, and they basically they've got so much time to get whatever the fastest lap is that they feel. Uh, is good and then they've got to go from nebraska to uh vandermeer or bandamir uh uh so and they actually have to drive the car from there and nick was going over some of the rules and stuff with me is that you know i'm uh these vehicles have to to make this road trip from Mm -hmm. one to the other and you have to carry on on the vehicle whatever it is you're going to use along the way so if you're running race fuel you can fuel it uh, out of a can or a jug, but you can't, you have to go to a fuel station in order to do it. So you can't pull over on the side of the road and dump, uh, five gallons, yeah, dump, dump five gallons. Gas you have to yeah. drive to a gas station, then you can dump your, your fuel in it. And so a lot of people are got these cars that are on pump gas cause they don't, 
they don't have the room to be carrying a bunch of race fuel with them uh, from that side. And uh, he's talking about, you know, how people are typically put, uh, yeah, uh, Carney Raceway. Thank you, uh, Rex, for that. So, yes, that is where they, they start out at Nebraska. Um, but they go from there to Denver and then from Denver to Pueblo and Pueblo. then from Pueblo back to Kearney. And then again, they lay down their best time at each one of the tracks and got to drive the vehicle in between all the different stops. And so it's, uh, it's, I think it starts Wednesday and it ends Saturday night is what the, what the deal is. And so it'll be a uh, very curious to, uh, to me, it sounds like a cannonball run. I mean, yeah, a cannonball kinda, run, yeah. but I don't, maybe, maybe I don't think that's the intent, but I, I don't you know. Think, that's I what think, they want it to be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of true too. But that's uh, what it would be. I don't. Know. I think there. Yeah, I think there. What is there, Nick? I think there's five or six different classes you could get into, yeah. depending yeah. on your car and all that kind of stuff. But I think they're trying to make it to where it's really not just a. You got a trailer of the car somewhere, but you're going to go how fast you can go, which you have to physically drive that car. You have to drive the car. It's yeah. really the road miles that I'm sure are going to be the hardest. Mm -hmm. You know, the, yeah. the running down the track and beating these cars up and stuff like that. Yeah, you uh, know, it's those guys. It's those guys that are going to run like those big tire classes and stuff that run the 34, 5, 17 drag slicks on their car, and they're going to be running those things down the highway. And it's just and and you can you can yeah. change tires, you can change uh, wheels and tires, but again, yeah, you you've have got to carry it on the you car. You carry it with you. You know, so. so yeah it's gonna be fun excited i wish i had time to go on that thing i'd love to go along with that and see how much fun that will be so uh i hope uh it's nick and who else is going uh so well, uh, so garrett's gonna go and then i believe we have nelson from the shop's gonna go so i hope they get lots of videos and stuff too of everything going on and i'm sure it'll be a blast yeah so then so. next weekend, we've got uh, World of Outlaw Late Model Series here in Wichita. So if you're a dirt late model fan, um, all the big names will be back here in Wichita next weekend. So we'll be out Okay, there so what's the difference in that class that's racing out here at Dodge City, Nick, Then it's going to be there at 81? Or is it the same? Uh, no. no, it's different. So the class that runs out here is the or that's racing uh, this weekend on Dodge is the High Plains Late Model Series. So it's a little bit more of like a spec engine type class, a um, little low dollar class. Well, let me tell you, those engines don't sound very spec to me um, that I'm sitting there. <laughs> there's some uh, healthy they're, they're still pretty stout, don't get me wrong. Ooh. But uh, but uh, full-blown super late is, uh, um, I don't know, probably uh, eight to 900 horsepower. Um I mean the cars. The car itself is pretty much the same, less the engine combination. But uh, uh, yeah, well, cool. That's yeah. These motors are out here at these out here at Dodge City. I tell you, they fired some of them up yesterday. We're pitting right between three of them, and woo, they're pretty stout. I'd like to drive one. Me too. Me too. I've tried a couple times, but no one no one said yes yet. So yeah, <laughs> I I love super super late model racing, man. It's uh it's a lot of fun to watch. So you're, yeah, you're just not asking with the right amount of cash in your hand. Yeah. I guess that's probably true. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Hey, anyway, everybody, I think it's time to, yep. Let's go. And we still thank the sponsors here. And, yeah, exactly. We, we don't do a good enough job of thanking them and everything else too, but we do talk about it during the show, which is BG products, all the great preventative maintenance products we use right inside Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, not a, not a technician in the can, but not snake oil, but you are getting great products to help car run many, many more miles. 
go to rent. Hey, you know what? I think we finally got Stan all stocked back up finally with his inventory and everything else too. So uh, excited for that. So if you're looking for something for the summertime to get you going somewhere, 12 or 15 pasture van expedition, explore, just don't want to put the miles on your car. Give Stan a call right inside Mel Hamilton Ford at go to rent big corner creative. All your advertising needs, anything you need to do to advertise your business, or if you just need a vehicle wrapped or windows wrapped, race car wraps, window tent, anything to help advertise your business. As those guys say, just Google us. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to go uh, start sweating again, okay? You're going to start working on a race car? Well, we did a lot of it last night. We stayed here last night while it was cool Yeah, uh, to not have to do all that kind of stuff too but i'm sure there's other things we've overlooked and stuff in the dark and stuff to get the car ready to go but uh yeah, let's get a big birthday win tonight okay yeah well it's not going to be from a lack of effort i can promise you that we're going <laughs> to give real i can promise you on that part but that's what i want to that's gonna be great for jake it's jake's birthday today 25 years old not sure where that time went Woo. but quarter of a century old there you go have so, a good one all right guys have a great weekend we'll talk to everybody next saturday yeah. bye